0: This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visit it with mom and dad, and you notice that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus provides affordable in home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus offers a number of services to support your loved ones, including personal care, companionship, meal preparation, and so much more. They can help with running errands and managing doctor visits. They can take mom to the beauty salon or dad to a movie. And CarePlus specializes in Alzheimer's and dementia care. An experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to support mom and dad's needs, leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today at 3 740-8870. Tell them you heard about this ad on a minor detail podcast, and you will receive a special discount. Call today at 301 740 8870 and check them out online at careplusinc.com. Today. Today, I have Monique Ashton, who is running for Rockville City Council. Monique is sitting right in front of me at the Rockville Memorial Library, and I believe this is your first time doing a podcast.
1: That's correct. I said I've helped to organize podcasts, and, uh, but this is my very first one.
0: Well, Monique, I'm really excited to talk with you today, and this is going to be a fun 45 minutes. so you should be—you uh, have lots—she has lots of papers, and she said before, offline, she likes to be prepared, so— Definitely a trait of an elected official who is to walk in <laughs> and, and certainly be ready for any of the questions. But as I said, this will be fun and you'll do great. So,
1: Well, thanks for bringing the sunshine to Rockville. <laughs>
0: uh, that's the goal. In, in more ways than one, I hope so I can not only bring the sunshine uh, with respect to the weather but to the Rockville City Council race. So, Monique, first I should start out by saying that you were one of the three finalists in the of the, the, the much-talked-about uh, city council vacancy that occurred. Julie Polakovich-Karr uh, ran for state delegate and won, and, and then ascended up to the State House as a District 17 representative. You put your name in, you were one of the three finalists, but they could not decide for the life of them on whom they would choose to pick. So then you decided, well, you might as well run for office, um, so there's been this of What was that process like? And was that frustrating for you that, look, you know, you went through all this work and they couldn't come to a consensus?
1: Well, um, let me back up and say there were 22 people who put their names in the hat. And uh, there were several rounds of cuts. It went from 22 to five and then to three. And I wasn't frustrated. Uh, I knew very well that it was a possibility. Essentially, there were four people on council And so looking at that math, you know that there's always an opportunity for a split vote and that they needed a majority. Um, But I really enjoyed the process. And um, what I can tell you is that as I dug deeper and deeper on the issues and just I studied all the budgets, I studied the policy, I looked more closely at the code than ever before and uh, looked at what's happening and what's coming up for Rockville in the future. And as I dug even deeper, I felt like, you know, I have a lot of skills that I believe that can support and serve the city, not only as a community advocate in Rockville, which I've been for a long time, but also my business experience, helping and support town center and the 270 Tech Corridor and some other business centers. I thought I could really help on some of the economic growth as well.
0: Well, Let's talk about your background. You've been In West Rockville, and you were born in New York City to a Hispanic mother and a West Indian father. And your mother said that you were a community activist from birth. And as she sang, "We shall overcome." To me, in your crib, I like that story. You grew up in Queens. I noticed that Queens accent. (laughs) Uh, Washington University, and so tell me, about, tell me about growing up in Queens, what was
1: that? Well, um, I'll say that I loved it. Um, it. It prepared me for life. It taught me that I need to work really, really hard. Uh, it's a very crowded city, and during the time when I grew up, it was very unsafe. Um, and so I had to learn a lot of lessons in life about safety. I had to learn a lot of lessons in life about how you need to step up and make a community better. And that's something that my parents really instilled with me. They said, you have to create the kind of community you want to live in. And sometimes you have to step forward even when you're afraid. Um, There have been several uh, incidences, I can say, when my mother helped to um, go into a school um, yard. And there were several kids, unfortunately, doing some things to another child. And there were administrators in that building, and um, no one was helping that child. It looked like a WWF scene. And she told me to stand aside. I, was, I couldn't have been more than eight or nine years old. And she went in there and pulled that boy out. He had two broken ribs. And from then, I learned that, you know what? Doing the right thing is important. Doing the right thing can be scary, but it's the right thing to do. And so um, she really just taught me that you have to help other people. And you have to clean up your own neighborhood. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, you know, there are a lot of things I learned about New York in terms of how do you keep community safe, the value of public education and having a good education. Um, I was very, very fortunate to be one of the first folks on my mother's side to graduate from high school. Um, and there were very, very smart people around me, but they didn't have that access. And, um, you know, my... My mother and my, my father worked really, really hard to instill education in me, and so I became extremely passionate about making sure that all people have access to a quality education.
0: And then you went on to NYU, and your focus was public health and science. Tell me about your, your career um, up to this point and what you've been doing in the last several years.
1: So um, I've, I've really enjoyed my career. I started out... Uh, focusing on public service, and I continue to do that. Um, I worked in everything from uh, my very, very first job. as Well, my first job was was at the library, actually, in Queens. Um, But I started volunteering very early on at a um, a nursing home. And just seeing the value of our seniors and the stories they had to bring, I was doing recreational therapy. Um, And then from there, I continued on to do things with uh, women's health, I have uh, worked in the Dominican Republic doing door-to-door immunizations. I have worked in uh, rehab. I have worked in South Africa, and I have a certificate in healthcare reform. I've worked on HIV-AIDS. I've worked on senior issues. And what I generally understand is that the social determinants of health and wellness of a community speak to economic opportunity and growth, speak to education, speak to access to healthcare, and also safe housing and food. And so what I've been trying to do in my life, between me and my, my spouse, my husband, we have been working on all those sectors and trying to, trying to support our communities. Um, and also the environment has been another factor for us as well, making sure that we support renewable energy. Um, after NYU, I did go to South Africa and got a certificate in healthcare reform. Um, and then I came back, I went to GW. Um, got my master's in public health and um, after that I went to become a presidential management fellow Uh, it's a program that was started by um, the president years and years ago and the idea was how do you get leaders to focus on public service and to give them an opportunity to have access to um, high levels of government and to be able to help inform and shape and also be mentored so through that experience I've worked for the United States Surgeon General I've worked for the uh, Department of Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health. I've planned amazing uh, things all across our country, um, helping to save lives and give people um, a little bit more education and support. Um, I've worked at the Office of Global Health Affairs and Refugee Services, and I also worked at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Wow. After that experience, Someone from the Office of the Surgeon General saw me at um, my current company and remembered what I had done, um, and there were some opportunities to support and, and some advanced science tech in- initiatives. Um, back then, personalized medicine and molecular medicine um, were early in its uh, stage, and so I was brought over to help shape some of large-scale national initiatives in that regard, and also to support small business innovation so that we can develop the next um, set of therapeutics and treatments. So um, in my particular company, I also not only focused on the the health and science issues, but I started to take more of a management role in terms of forecasting, strategic planning, understanding your audiences, helping to build businesses, um, managing large teams. And that has given me a lot of experience in terms of negotiations, issues management, and how do you set up an organization to succeed and think ahead for the future?
0: Inside of city government now, uh, you're part of the, the group um, Rockville Forward. Correct. And you're running alongside the mayor. Correct. Tell me about that. Tell me about what distinguishes Rockville Forward from the, the other team, the other committee. You don't want to call it a slate, but I, I've been corrected so many <laughs>
1: times.
0: You, you, you are running together.
1: You're yeah, well, together. let me back up and say there are 13 people running for city council. Right. And I think this is good for our city, you know, that we have so many people who are willing to put their time and energy to support and say, I want to support Rockville, step up and work on Rockville. Um, I think that's great. And I, if we can, because of the mere fact that 13 of us are knocking on doors, plus the two mayoral candidates, I really am excited and hope to see that we increase voter turnout and that we inspire people to understand the importance of local government. Um, I had a chance to um, you know, work with Mayor Newton over the years, and she saw some of my work um, really advocating and helping to build Biodveston Elementary School, which increased capacity of um, our elementary schools and got kids out of trailers. And she has also seen me advocate at the Board of Education and t- coming to talk to city council and really trying to be a bridge between the community and our government. And through that work, um, she also saw me on the Attica Public Facilities Work Group. And what she said to me is, she said, you really get the community. You know how to um, bring diverse opinions aside, and you listen to all sides, and you have other talents through your professional and advocacy work. And she said, I really want to see that on our city council, and I think you have a lot to offer. And I had watched her over the years and um, also saw how she has been able to be a consensus builder, meet people in the middle. And I really respected that, you know, the way she did her homework and approached situations. And so when she asked me to consider running on Rockville Forward, I gave it a lot of thought. It's not something I jumped into lightly because, you know, I feel great. I felt great about what I was doing in the community. As I told you earlier, it's not about me. It's about service. Leadership is part of my DNA, but service is my passion. And I feel like I'm put on this earth um, to be able to, try to help as much as I can, whatever skills I have, whatever time I have. And so when I looked at the opportunity to work with her um, and to look at the future of Rockville and dream, I thought it was exciting. And I said, yes, I'll do it. I felt like there were enough issues and needs that I need to step up for Rockville. In terms of the slate, um, I really think the what I like about Rockville Forward is that we don't have a set of you must all agree to this. What we do agree on is civility, strategic thinking, doing our homework, and working hard, and that we're going to respect each other even when we disagree. I expect that we will, and my husband and I disagree sometimes, and we really work together to figure out how do we meet in the middle. And I think that's the approach of Rockville Forward. The other aspect I'll say is um, you may have heard a little about a small thing called the adequate public facilities <laughs> ordinance. Yes. And so I think um, the approach that Rockville Forward has looked at is, as we grow as a city, how do we look at our infrastructure in a way that maintains our quality of life and keeps certain characteristics of Rockville, like green space, that looks at pedestrian safety, that considers our schools? And I think that's something that Rockville Forward does and is committed to.
0: Just to take a brief pause, so we can, edit this. can you hear me in your headphones?
1: I, uh, can you... I can't hear you anymore.
0: We can edit this, so.
1: No, it's okay. Let me just. I'm just going to take this off for one second. Uh, Do you want yeah. to go back and see how much you captured?
0: Oh, no, it's fine. So it's probably because these are G's and S's. <laughs> so my, this happened the other day, and it's okay because we can completely edit this portion out. Okay, no worries. Um, Why well, mm-hmm. don't we take our headphones off? I okay. Okay. Are you
1: I can hear you. <laughs> you project quite well. Okay. Is it recording though? Did it record everything that oh, we okay. just did? It's Okay.
0: Recording. I just I can I can edit the sound. No uh, worries. It happened in Mark Rochelle's interview where um, sometimes the the headphones just conk. Okay. So,
1: Listen, yeah. I am all supporting this. <laughs> yeah. It's so that's, yeah. Uh, this
0: great editing software. So let's no worries. Yeah. That. Um, so, in line with what you were saying about your your slate, I want to understand though the differences between your committee versus Rockville, uh, Team Rockville. Yeah, it, and it, I, I get bits and pieces from the other candidates, mm-hmm. for me. and how people really understand: is it housing affordability? Is it education? What is it that really separates your set of values versus? other teams' set of values, and I'm, hopefully you can put some perspective into that.
1: Yeah. So I will start out in saying I'm running a, co- a positive campaign, and I try I noticed, not to speak about anyone negatively.
0: I, <laughs> I have noticed that a majority of the candidates are running an overwhelmingly positive, forward yes. thinking yes. vision for the city that involves little negativity. Now, I did see one particular candidate who was knocking – Voting records of other candidates, and I just want to say that even as a journalist, I look at that and I'm thinking that's happening in the city council race. Yeah. If you have to go negative in a city council race, uh, that that tells me something that you know. I understand if you clearly discern your policies from someone else, but attacking somebody on a petty issue of missing an election—I've missed elections in my life. I've not voted absentee. I'm a pretty regular voter, but I've missed elections. I was in college before, and look, I just don't – I don't understand why certain people would stoop to that level of, of attacking somebody or voting record yeah. and somehow believing that negates their entire platform and experience that bothers them.
1: Certainly, and I, I definitely think that it's about what you do beyond voting, you know, the election day that really, really matters. Voting does matter, but also the character and the service of all of the candidates is extremely important. Um, and I, for, for one, have for years, ever since college, actually have really worked to make sure to get out the vote for folks Um, back when I was at NYU I would plan um, parties for some of the college students and I would say hey you want to come in you can um, pay the entry fee or you can fill out this voter registration card and either one is fine we want to help educate you make sure that you're part of this community and so that's something that I you know gave incentives and and looked for ways that where people naturally gather to inspire people to get involved. I've also held sessions to help people understand candidates. And so I I completely understand your question of there's some similarities among candidates, and you're trying to help people understand what are the differences. I want to tell you that housing affordability is extremely important to me. I told you earlier that, um, as we were talking, that I grew up from very humble beginnings. Um, I actually... If I I didn't have an opportunity to have affordable housing, I don't know what I would have done. I was on every kind of program you could think of, from WIC to Medicaid um, to food stamps. And it was a short period in my life, but it was a time that my family needed it. And I think that's important for us to have. That's what really distinguishes America is that we give people opportunities to rise above. And I do think housing affordability is a concern. And it's something that I, that I value and prioritize. So I don't think any one team owns that. Um, I, I will tell you that I am interested in looking at our seniors and making sure that as the housing prices and values go up in Rockville, the $400,000 tax credit may not be enough. That we need to look because the average home price now is between 485 and 500 thousand. In the city. And yeah, so we need to look at our seniors getting squeezed because every year, (laughs) every year, you know, I I actually got an increased property value valuation, and I can only imagine how some seniors who even you know I think of the one woman on my my block who's in her 90s, husband has passed on. And, you know, how do we make sure that our seniors can stay in place? So I, the senior tax credit and that affordable opportunity is important to me. the, what is the senior tax credit? So it's an opportunity for if you're, you get a credit up to the value of your house of uh, $400,000. So that's in the city. I would like to see us look at can we raise that limit to maybe be a little higher given the increased property values that have gone up in Rockville. Um, so I think we need to go back and look at that. Um, I also support the MPDU program. There are some people who have gone on record and spoken about potentially um, eliminating or, you know, not requiring developers to have a model priced dwelling unit. So, if you have um, 50 or other units you're developing, you're required to do 12.5% MPDUs. If your champion project is 15, I would love to see that we could potentially in, um, raise that a little bit more because. Um, it's true that it's becoming very, very difficult. And it's a, a challenge all around the world in the United States. You, you look all over the place that housing affordability is a, is a challenge. And I think we need to plan for the future as we grow, as we develop new um, you know, real estate and buildings. We need to think about how can we have places for our police, our teachers, um, people who contribute to the city, veterans, to be able to afford to live in the city. Is
0: your approach or your committee's approach how is that different then from the, um, the team rock
1: bill i think the biggest difference is um, when there was a discussion about changing the adequate public facilities ordinance um, there were some folks who were interested on the other team of increasing that to 150 mm-hmm. percent so that means that schools right now can be 120 percent overcrowded um, and you can before we <laughs> yeah
0: you were the cluster, you were the, pre- for your, you were the president of your. Was it the, the
1: so I have served um, f- uh, multiple schools. I represent seven schools here in Rockville, um, and through the county level work, I also do beyond those seven schools in Rockville as well as diversity wild inclusion wild. And chair. I have worked on boundary studies. I have helped to support the development of biodiversity in elementary school. I have looked deeply at the numbers to see how we're forecasting and where there were missing projects, for example, um, because we're growing, and so we need to plan ahead for the future. One of the things I learned is that sometimes when we oh. approve projects in the city of Rockville, it doesn't always make it over to the county and MCPS when they're forecasting their numbers and so I have been trying to be a bridge to make sure that as we approve projects that we get into MCPS's um, DRC and that we, um, you know, they can plan for our growth. So for the boundary study, for example, when we looked at the projects they were factoring in, we could see that they were missing Rockville projects. What does that mean? It means that if you have bad numbers going in, you're not going to quite understand the growth coming out. And so we, as a city, need to be able to plan so that we can help MCPS know what are the growth pressures in our city. And unfortunately, with the APFO, um, what I have found is that we, we are, we're constantly behind, and the, the numbers are off. Um, and so we need to better look at where is the growth going to happen. Well. So one example is um, when they were building Bayou Elementary School. They said, "Well, we're not going." M.C.P.S. said, "We're not going to be building this to its full capacity because we don't need it." And so we looked and we said, "Listen, there are several of these projects in Rockville coming online. You're going to need it. You're gonna, there's going to be growth." And so we advocated to make sure that they built the school to its full capacity and we're so thankful that they worked with us and they did. It took a lot of work to go to the Board of Education, to work with the city, to work with the county, to advocate for that. But for example, that school was only going to be built to the 600s and this year, after one year of uh, being open, there are 730 students in that building, and it can hold 740. So it's just about, like, we need to be work closely together, increase our communication and coordination, so that we're thinking about where the growth pressures are.
0: Yeah, I see that you also served as two years as a board member for the Montgomery County Council of Parent-Teacher Association, the PTA, um, and you're currently the Richard Montgomery Cluster Coordinator, serving, as you said, seven schools. Look, we have two children in Montgomery County Public Schools. One is at uh, So we're right there with you. My wife is a strong advocate um, in the PTA. We are very active within our cluster. And there's no issue that brings more parents and interested citizens to the table than, I think, local school issues, and that's important. And having that understanding and building that bridge between the county and MCPS from the city perspective, I think is vitally important, Monique, and what I would like to see from the city county uh, perspective from the uh, the bridge there. How can we be better partners with the with the county? Uh, the county council have has their own role in this in impar- this school process and of course the maintenance of effort issues. So it's good to have information and in the numbers that work that you can bring that directly to the council. So let me ask you this question: Tell me about your partnerships with some of the county council and the school board.
1: Let me uh, back up and tell you for what you meant, mentioned, Wooten. I should also say I have a, another role that goes beyond the seven schools. I'm also the MCCPTA Diversity Inclusion Chair. But, um, so it's essentially looking at making sure that we dig deep on the um, achievement gap in our communities and that we uh, begin to talk about how do we close the achievement gap. And so, um, whether that's through increased resources and support for teachers, whether that is more uh, interventions, um, whether it's looking at what are some of the wraparound services that schools need. Those are all things that are going to help to close the achievement gap for black and Latino as well as underserved children. There are lots of kids who are on uh, free and reduced meals of all races and creeds and we need to make sure that we're giving those kids a chance at a good solid education because it has opportunity to uplift their community. Um, I also just want to say you mentioned Wooten. I have been advocating for and I was at long-range planning meeting that we need to rebuild Wooten. <laughs> it, it's in desperate need of help. I was also at Twinbrook.
0: It, the, the woman outside uh, down in Bethesda, cheering is my wife. She would love to hear that because as two parents of a Wooten High School 10th grader, we have been so pushing rebuilding the school we need upgrades we're going to turn up that heat Uh,
1: uh, (laughs) we're going to we're going to i would also just say (sighs) twin brook i planned a 200 uh, working with my other cluster coordinators meeting um, with the board of education there about a year and a half ago and i was there just last month and all things are not equal That school does not look the same as others. There is an amazing principal and staff doing great work, but they need more space. They need a a proper art room. They need ADA. And I just, I was there, and there were students learning ESL on the floor. That's not acceptable. And I know that there's some people who say, in our city has nothing to do with our schools. Our school communities represent thousands of people in Rockville. And what I find is that our school communities also show the best and the ills of our society of what people are struggling with yeah. and so we need to better connect between this, the school systems the parents and really look at our schools as community centers as a way for us to go out and engage residents um, so i i think that is a priority and i support the development of the uh... the education commission with city council because i think there need to be deeper connections you'll find that their parents who are struggling with um, Housing security, they're struggling with food security. Um, there are challenges that they're facing that the city can better connect to understand the residents of our, of our residents here.
0: You've been
1: I have been following Kerwin. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: On the hook for, and look, this is uh, this is an expensive proposition. It really is, and it's going to fall back to the counties to to pay for it. It's a four point, or rather, it's a three point eight nearing a four billion dollar program that that Kerwin has in effect said that we need these education upgrades, and we could go deep into that. But uh, just on the surface, are you concerned at all about how the counties will be on the hook for that? all know what that means it's going to mean you could see a property tax
1: increase I think people are still trying to figure that out and they're analyzing of there's been a lot of coverage on that I think that um, our county does pay a large share of of, um, you know to the state of Maryland and so we need to be advocating to the state level as well um, to make sure that our county is getting our fair share Um, and our county has been growing. uh, The number of students we keep adding every year. Um, So we need to keep pace. If we're gonna be a county that is revered nationwide for our education system, we need to make sure that we're working with our state and federal and county and city folks to make sure that we're able to provide that quality education, I also think it's something that we need to look at public and private partnerships. There needs to be nonprofits involved. There's community and parents. It's not one problem that one entity can solve. We all need to come together on this.
0: You mentioned seniors, and now is an excellent opportunity to mention that our podcast sponsor is an organization called Care Plus Home Health that provides home care for senior citizens inside of their home all throughout Montgomery County and Washington, D.C. They are a company that provides personal care. They drive an aging grandparent or mom and dad to doctors that do different errands and they help on the medical side as well. They're located in Gatorsburg. They cover all of Montgomery County. You can check them out online at careplusinc.com. They have excellent caregivers and it's, it's 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 an excellent, excellent company that serves our seniors. We have a gym in Montgomery County, the Rockville Senior Center. Tell me about that. What do you think? Is that... Is that a model that we can expand in different neighborhoods?
1: So let me just say, I uh, love the way we care for our seniors in Rockville. And I've been to other parts of the world where seniors are a revered part of our population. They have so much to offer, so much wisdom, and they've contributed so much that it's, our, it's a responsibility to help make sure that we are considering our senior citizens and residents. Uh, the Senior Center is fantastic. You know, I have knocked on so many doors of folks who are either using those services. I've also knocked on doors of people who didn't know about them. And that has been the most, you know, heart-wrenching experience to me, that there's so many seniors living in isolation. And I just want everyone to know, if you hear this, that Rockville – um, does offer an opportunity to help bring our seniors citizens and residents to wow. the senior center to medical appointments and to the grocery store um, I think that's important We need to make sure that we're helping our seniors age in place that they don't feel like they have to move I also support the program that allows them to be able to get some maintenance support um, there's, there's some limited funds there, but there are ways that um, if you if you are in a home and there are some maintenance issues, they can get some, some small support from the city on that. Um, also, we have an amazing movement uh, here in Rockville called Villages. We need it all over Rockville. Right now it's in King Farm. It's in Tornbrook and East Rockville. And so these are communities that are coming together to say, you know what, we really value our community. We want to have strong connections. And so they're pairing folks up so that if someone needs help, that someone else was able to check on them and help as well. Um, so I really love the Villages movement, and I'd love to see that grow throughout Rockville.
0: That movement is so vitally important. You mentioned seniors living in isolation. That is a problem that can't just be met and dealt with with just nonprofits and other organizations. That I see an active role.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Let's just switch directions, and I want to talk about transportation infrastructure, nuts and bolts of local government. The Mm -hmm. governor has proposed a plan to fix I-270. His current plan is to widen Interstate 270, which would directly impact Rockville as a city on a whole. Now, we, we hear one piece of widening 270, and then we hear less from the state on increasing transit. So tell me, are you supportive of the widening plan, and what are your ideas on infrastructure?
1: Well, I... uh First of all, let me just clearly say that I don't think this is the approach to take right now. I think that if you talk to folks who live out in Clarksburg as well as Fredericksburg, people are moving out there um, because they do want to have an opportunity yard. They want to have more space. Um, Sometimes it's an affordability issue, and so adding tolls for them to get out there is not necessarily the right movement. Also, if you look nationwide at studies in terms of millennials who are now maybe leaving D.C. and moving towards... Um, other places to start a family. You'll see that people want to have access to mass transit, that businesses want access to mass transit. So if you think about both the future of our population as well as economic growth and business opportunity, mass transit is a key impact and a key need. Um, There are some buses that go up north, but I've spoken to some county employees even who say that some of the buses end at 5.30 and 6.30, and then they can't get back after work. So that's not a viable option. We need to make sure that we're expanding access to mass transit. Um, I also have concerns about the 270 project and not fully understanding the environmental impact that needs to happen. I think that is something that must go through. I've also sat next to neighbors in Rockville and Rose Hill Falls West and parts of Newmark Commons, parts of uh, West End and Woodley. There's so many communities that are going to be impacted by this widening 270. If you stand next to them, there aren't sound walls all over the place. So if you increase traffic, you can hear the noise. I have seen some folks who um, can't even sell their homes because of this 270 project, and I, I'm very concerned about that. The other aspect is uh, the way that the P3 partnership is unfolding. There's going to be a private entity. Uh, so far, what we're hearing, it's a it's an international company. Um, they're going to have the control for about 50 years. And roads tend to last forty to fifty years, so they're gonna turn it back to us when it's time to repave these things. So there's a lot of things I, I you know, I appreciate there's an attempt to try to solve traffic issues, but I think mass transit is a missing link here and we need to be looking at that more closely.
0: Can we- spared a lot of people heartache and just time wasted on the metro system so I know that several of the state delegates are working with the the, the federal side, with D.C. to make sure that the metro is functioning. There's a lot of commuters who live here in Rockville that take public transit and making sure, first and foremost making sure that it works properly is, is fundamental. Yeah, I'm
1: sure. I'm one of those people who take me as transit and I are have to... So I work in D.C. a few days a week and in Rockville a few days a week, so depending on uh, the day. So I've I've experienced both. So I I definitely think the Metro Turnback, which I know our mayor advocated for, um, and I know myself plus thousands of people are really appreciative of that. Um, I also had a chance. I'm part of the Pedestrian Advocacy Committee, and so we get great reports from the city on what's going on. And I was told that, you know, we are a city of about 70,000 people, but on any given day, thirty to 40,000 people are passing through here. Right. Um, and so, you know, there is a need to give access to more transit, to get people out of cars and giving them an opportunity. That people are driving from the north or and uh, parking at Shady Grove and then going down to D.C. How great would it be if they had an opportunity to catch mass transit a little bit higher up? I so um, so I, I think that would be fantastic. So
0: looking into getting people in the city, Necessary infrastructure to support that, but I want to talk about Rockville Town Center. Mm-hmm. It's not working. I don't think it's working. <laughs> I, hear that I think I think
1: a lot of people would agree with you on that. I
0: think that it's. I think that when it's built, I love this central hub of a city. I think that here in Town Center, in Town Square, there's much to do. There's many activities, but the retail space, it seems like, has. Overdone it here in Rockville with the retails. What what can we do to draw in businesses? What can we do to draw in new attractions? And I know that's going to be a big issue that this new council will have to work with and, and, and find a solution towards.
1: If you go back and listen to some of the debates from two elections ago, you could have this very very same conversation. We need to get more proactive, and this needs to be urgent. Uh, We don't want to have the same discussion in four years with the next election. Um, I think there are some things that are working and there's some things that we need to address. Um, there are, you know, the ULI report came out with some great suggestions that the Urban, Han- Urban Land Institute uh, put together. I think there are a number of things. Some of them are short-term, some of them are long-term. Short-term is there are a lot of competition around us, north and south of us. And so people, understanding your stakeholder and the value you provide to those potential customers, we need to think about what's going through their minds and how do we make it easy for them to access and get to us. So one of those things is we have thousands of people on 355, but they don't even know the hidden gems that are in town center. They don't know the hidden gems that are in King Farm. They're, you know, some of the other business centers, you know, down 355 as well. We're not act, act, um, using the signage in a way that tells people we have something great to offer. Visibility is one thing. Number two there needs to be better marketing as well of those businesses we need to not only draw people who are in the immediate area but draw people from outside the area to be able to stop here and know that we have some gems and and things to shop Um, the other piece is you know we need to make it easy for them to stop parking is a mess it really is it's not only you know is there enough parking but it's what kind of parking if you park in one place you push a button you get one hour free and then you have to put in money for the for the last hour the signage is not great on that another place you have to pay four dollars for 15 minutes (laughs) uh, if you want to stop at panera and grab something which is like a third of the cost of whatever meal you might be buying another you know it's just there's too many different types of parking that in the signage is not clear we need to get better at that we need to have some consistency we need to maybe look at an app that's going to help people quickly decide no one wants to get a ticket for stopping for 15 minutes to grab a cup of coffee or something like that, something that. <laughs> and i've actually sat down with the rockville chamber of commerce and some of the business owners and they said that is a huge issue it's bigger than we are talking about and we need to solve it and that's something that can be solved in the shorter term um, i also think that we need to look at how do we connect our county folks, because there are a lot of county folks who come in here to work, as well as our, our college. Are there are 15,000 people who are at Montgomery College. None of them want to leave their parking spaces because parking is t- hard there too. So how do we create some gateways for so them to be able to access here? How do we look at increasing um, bike pathways, um, You know, the scooters? Can we do the ride-on flex or uh, circulator to be able to bring customers to town center? And then the other thing is looking at the businesses. We need to be proactive about the kind of businesses that people want and need in Rockville. There are some that have been lasting for since the very beginning, and they're doing something well, um, so that's fantastic. But we need to be proactive about looking at what are some brands that will be able to have staying power here so that there's not this constant turnover.
0: Dawson's would, went out for a little bit, came back. This, there's, some, there's some residents who have said that they spent a lot of money on getting that back. Are you supportive of the decision to, to spend the taxpayer dollars to, to get Dawson's to stay where they are right now?
1: So Dawson's, uh, so t- for those who don't know, there was a small business uh, fund that was created to really look at how do we incentivize businesses to come Rockville, because it's difficult as a small business to start up a company. um, And then anyone who's run a business, which I know my my husband and his business partner have created one, um, there are a couple years where you are still in building phase. And so unless you're backed by some big corporate (laughs) or there's some access to small business funds, it's very, very difficult. Um, I think for any business who gets those small business funds, we need to, you know, look at Making sure we're setting milestones and that we're tracking we're helping those businesses to be successful so that as The city makes those investments. We're tracking along. What are the success metrics that are going to say? Yes This is working or not Um, I I, The federal government does this as well they have a small business innovation research fund and small businesses are part of our American economy So we need to find ways to incentivize it But we have to make sure that we're tracking metrics and results to make sure that they're achieving what we set out to
0: about what are your thoughts on the city services? Uh, it, it seems like Rockville has a—they're they're in solid fiscal ground, and that the value that they're receiving for their city services is pretty much on par with other local municipalities. What else can we do? To help with city
1: well I think that we have some of the best city services <laughs> to be honest with you and um, as a, a mother of two children and a family that we actually use a lot of the city services whether that be through summer camps so that there's some affordable options for camps whether that's a senior center um, uh, also some of the after-school programs and, and programs for seniors and, and folks to be able to stay healthy and stay in shape I think it's fantastic I, and then you've got also The things that we all need snow removal and water and so I think our city is doing a fantastic job there's some things that we need to think about for the future as because our city is growing Um, one is maintaining our water infrastructure it's not a fancy topic but it's something that's critically important to make sure we're thinking about for the future and that we're building and setting aside money for that because infrastructure ages and we need to we need to plan for that now Um, I also think that we need to look at our senior center, which I think is fantastic. How can we get some of those services and do more in other parts of Rockville so that people who are in Tornbrook, for example, or in Hungerford, can they have access points that are closer to home? I think that's something that we can look at as well.
0: So I'm interested to to hear your perspective on the Red Gate issue. Everybody seems to have a... (laughs)
1: on that So Redgate is 144 acres and you know land cannot be created it's, we have an infinite you know, we don't have an infinite resource of land particularly within our 13 miles of Rockville. Um, and I think that we need to make sure that we're retaining some of that park and green space because that is something that is a unique characteristic of Rockville. Um, so we, I, I'm not in the idea of let's just sell it all and put housing there. I think that's not a good idea. I think we need to preserve some green space. We need to look at recreation um, and, and park space so that we can maintain as our city grows again, making sure we have that. Um, and then if there is any housing, then I think that we need to look at can we do something for our veterans? There isn't a place where our veterans can can be here um, and that's an important part of america and people who serve our country so i definitely want to see green space i want there's some parts i know that can be developed there's some watersheds there as well that i think are important um, so if we can mix those two needs in our city i think we'd be um, in a good place i'll also say i'm keeping an open mind about it there's going to be a prose report that comes out with some analysis. And as you mentioned earlier, I like to do my homework. I like to study all options. I like to listen to the community, and that's something I'll be doing as city council member.
0: And finally, let's talk about public safety. Uh, I grew up in Hagerstown, former chief of police that was in Hagerstown, we moved down here to Rockville, we came to Rockville, chief of police, um, chief freedom. Tell me about your thoughts on how the city is keeping its residents safe, and what more can
1: the city do to make sure that um, things are up to bar? Well, I'll, I echo. I really appreciate uh, Chief Breida. I've had a chance to you know, speak with him over he's, several yeah. occasions. He not only cares about his job, but he's a genuinely good guy. Um, and he lives in the city, which I, you know, I think yeah. that's fantastic. Um, one thing I think is, is awesome about our, our Rockville City Police is that they understand the importance of the community connection. And they really, really work hard to get out and, and talk to people and make sure that there's no fear or any barriers between the police and community. And what that does is it makes us all safe because we have a relationship with our police department. And they, I was at a communion day some time ago, and they actually had face painting and pumpkin painting. They're really getting creative about how do we bring people in to understand the importance of safety how do we make them partners in safety i think we need to do more of that i'm also excited that they're um, they're being proactive about doing bias training Um, they're training their entire police force they're really being a model for our county and our state on that front Um, we have 65 police officers and you know we need to look at that number if you think 65 police officers for 70,000 people in rockville as we forecast and look at our future and we want to make sure that safety is important uh, we need to look at it. do we need to add positions there i am also happy to see that um, councilmember feinberg really pushed for a part of our uh, city where we're going to be doing and planning for emergency preparedness uh, we've seen so many cities that focus on that after an incident happens and i like that again we're planning ahead and thinking about the future so that we're not caught off guard
0: you'll see an increase in turnout.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs>
0: so I'm sure that you, as you're knocking doors, you're encouraging people to, to make sure they send in their, their ballots. It's a new beta test this year to see if it works. And I know that Rock will study other communities around the country to see how this how this election system works. I'm confident. I think you're going to see a, a greater turnout because I know that in many municipal elections, Moni, you're looking sometimes under 10% 70,000 people it, it's a very simple non-complex process the city mails you a ballot they give you prepaid postage you fill out your ballot you check off the candidates uh, who you want to support send it back in or you can drop it off over to the uh, the uh, the booth not the booth but rather the, uh, the there's a box, box. there's a drop box yeah it's box. It's, you know, yes they can't they can't be tampered with but people can still come to city hall on November 5th vote.
1: yeah well, thank you for giving that plug yeah. um, I will I will say that um, about fifteen percent of people vote in Rockville elections, and we really need to get that number up. I understand that um, around the country vote in uh, VOTE BY MAIL HAS HELPED TO INCREASE SOMETIMES FIVE TO TEN PERCENT. I HOPE THAT WE'RE GOING TO BREAK RECORDS THIS YEAR. IF NOTHING ELSE, THE 13 CANDIDATES ARE GOING TO GO OUT AND BE REALLY GOOD AMBASSADORS TO INSPIRE AND GET PEOPLE TO VOTE. THAT IS HONESTLY MY HOPE. NO MATTER WHO YOU VOTE FOR. and I DO HOPE I CAN EARN THE VOTE OF FOLKS HERE IN ROCKVILLE. um, BUT EITHER WAY, I'M GOING TO BE WORKING REALLY, REALLY HARD TO MAKE SURE THAT WE CAN INCREASE THAT TURNOUT. I do want to say that uh, there are some important tips that you need to know about when voting. One is postmarks do not count. If you <laughs> mail it on November 4th, there's a very good chance it's not going to get and your right. vote is not going to be counted. So I really encourage folks, if you're listening, fill out that ballot today. I hope you'll vote for Rockville Forward um, and, and get it in at least a week before it's due. Um, it is due by, by 8 p.m. on November 5th. Um, if you are not able to mail it in, then you can also go in person. Uh, you should bring your ballot with you or they 'll go and print a new ballot and for those i 'm surprised there are some people who are just I met who have just moved to Rockville so what do you do if you 're not registered? You actually can go to city hall on um, you know bef- between now and November 5th and you can register to vote your vote will be provisional, but at least will be an opportunity for you to contribute and be a part of this amazing city Bye so I will say if you want someone who's going to work hard who's going to be a consensus builder who builds and brings uh, community advocacy as well as business acumen and who's going to be a strategic planner then I'm your person I work really really hard and I love this city this is not about me this is about the future of Rockville and I want to make sure that we give everyone opportunity to vote I hope everyone please fill out your ballot um I would also uh, just say that no matter who you vote for, just please get your ballot in. Um, I, I, I've been someone who is, I'm a, I represent working families, but I understand the needs of multiple segments of our society here in Rockville, um, and I hope that we can get some first-time voters here to come out. Um, I also just wanna make sure that you know we get diverse audiences. What people don't know, um, and it's, when you become a candidate, it's very telling. You get voting records, and you get an opportunity to go out and knock doors. I have been trying to talk to everyone, regardless, regardless of where they voted or not, um, because people tend to focus on those who have voted. Uh, and so if you're not voting, you may not be getting someone knocking on your door. And then, you know, the voice of the underrepresented is never fully realized. So that's another important p- factor in having candidates who recognize the importance of diversity, but also having people participate in the process so that, you're, you know, you can guarantee someone's going to be knocking on your door and listening to your needs. This has been an amazing campaign. I have had so much fun. Um, I have met so many amazing people. And I'm inspired by our city, and I hope to serve it further.
0: Final weeks
1: of this <laughs> thank you so much for helping to inform our voters. And um, I really do hope you'll check me out online and get involved in my campaign. All right.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301-740-8870. Discover how they can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside their home.